Let's change the world together. Welcome to the Snapcast, the podcast for all nonprofit professionals, bringing you interviews and amazing ideas for nonprofit leaders. Hello, this is Mickey Desai. I'm your host for this episode of the Nonprofit Snapcast. I am very lucky to be speaking with Heather Hiscox today. Heather, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you for joining me. Please, please tell me I got the name correct. Yes. Okay, great. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Heather, you're the co-founder for Pause for Change, and that's Pause spelled P-A-U-S-E, uh, not to be confused with P-A-W-S. Uh, yes, exactly. No, <laughs> is, no pets involved most often. <laughs> right. What is what is pause for change? Pause for change is uh, the easiest bucket to put us in is in the consultancy bucket, right? We are consultants that work with uh, mostly social impact organizations, which we include nonprofits, uh, philanthropic foundations, and local government organizations. And essentially, what we do is we help those organizations address sticky challenges or exciting opportunities um, in less time using fewer resources but delivering greater impact. And how do you do that? I mean, that sounds like uh, that sounds like a nice definition for something that I suspect is much bigger on the back end. Yes, yes, and it is simple in a way. Um, we use a mixture of methodologies where we've taken really the best of the best of design thinking, rapid experimentation, lean experimentation, agile, um, blended with like organizational change theory and social justice, if you can imagine that, put it in a blender, and then distill it down to like the most basic skills that we need to address problems and navigate uncertainty. Those skills we've really simplified and we teach organizations how to use to change the habit of how they address challenges and opportunities within their organization because we all have ways that we normally do it as people and as organizations so we want to interrupt the actions and the normal status quo behaviors that most take so that they can see different outcomes and have new impact so i imagine that your methodologies are actually pretty helpful these days helping nonprofits find their way out of the the results of pandemic Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really about helping them apply it to what the challenge is right then. And it changes and it shifts. And this pandemic has definitely shown us that. So I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine an average nonprofit, whatever that really means, right? And, uh, and, and thinking about a nonprofit that may have its strategy just completely shattered by what's happened with pandemic. Is it hard for that nonprofit to adopt these changes that you're talking about? Are we talking about uh, you know, are we, are, are we talking about taking the nonprofit to therapy and expecting them to have an aha moment or, or how does that work? Yeah, it's a really good point because it is tricky to innovate and to change in the middle of crisis, right? Because crisis, you're really just trying to take off, take on like the basic needs, right? The hierarchy of needs of what people actually need. But what we're finding is that organizations, while they still have crisis elements and um, areas where they are diverting some of their efforts, organizations and leaders are now starting to put their head up a bit and look around for, okay, how, how do I best navigate what could be next? How do I, in the midst of a giant to-do list and all these other considerations, how do I start to think about how to take advantage of this moment? Opportunities may be presenting themselves. How do I be most efficient and effective in pursuing them or not? And how do, you know, how do I really do that quickly? Um, but we're very mindful that this is where organizations are right now. It's not about having an entire innovation program 
we're training coaches at this time. We're taking on this huge organizational culture shift. It's about small, manageable, easy, easy actions that you can start to take right now. So you're talking about an actual methodology to help uh, what I think is sort of becoming a cliche at this point, but to help the pivot, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The pause is an acronym. Mm -hmm. So each of the letters stands for a different skill. So the first is package the challenge. We found that so many organizations lacked a united clarity on what the key challenges were or key opportunities. So we get teams aligned around like, what is it and who's impacted? Let's list all of the key stakeholders and prioritize them by level of need. And let's just all get on the same page and form a diverse team to start to address it. So anywhere from executive leaders to frontline staff, anyone that touches an element of that challenge or those stakeholders, we form small scrappy teams. That's really the first step that anyone can take. And that alone can be a game changer because it gets all voices at the table. It helps leaders not have to stand at the front of the room and act like they know what to do because right now most of us don't know what to do. And it gets them starting to connect and build their team in a different way. So that, that first step alone is really helpful in getting organizations organized. Um, and then the next step is taking that team and doing the A, which is assessing uncertainty, calling out, what do we not know? As much as that's really overwhelming right now, we feel like we don't know things, it feels really good just to put it on the table. And for each person to say, you know, we have to learn what stakeholders think about X, Y, and Z. We have to learn why this is a challenge for us. And like, what are all the symptoms that we're seeing? And then you is really simple. It's understand stakeholders. It's actually go and talk to people. Um, physically, with physical distancing, is a little bit hard, but we can do it over the phone. We can do it through online video, and we can start to reach out and understand what people are going through, and we essentially turn our unknowns into our questions, and we go do those interviews, and we talk to enough people until we hear some recurring themes and needs, and then we go into the S, which is solution testing. There's a really common way that nonprofits and organizations like to build solutions, and they usually do not include co-creation with stakeholders. So we, we kind of flip that on its head and say, okay, now that you've talked to stakeholders first, they help you generate potential solutions. And before we build solutions, we actually try to break them. We tear them apart into their component assumptions because everything is built on assumptions. And we, again, just like we identified uncertainty, we say, what must be true for this solution to create value for this stakeholder? And once we call that out, we create an experiment and we get to test the behavior of the stakeholder to see if they actually can derive value and if it is actually a functional solution. And then the final step is E, evidence-informed decision-making. It kind of democratizes decision-making in an organization and decisions are driven on really um, quickly gathered data of what did we hear in the interviews and what did we hear in the experiments. And it's a way that teams can train up to leadership and say, you know, we thought that was a great idea, but nobody wanted it. Or that wasn't the priority. We got to go back to, you know, plan B, plan C. Um, so there, there are really simple skills that come from all of these deep and wide methodologies that we found are the essential bits that organizations need to move forward. I'm a little bit shocked at the idea that a nonprofit could actually try to implement a solution without first talking to a stakeholder. It happens all the time. Really? I'm kind all of... The time. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of belief of like oh we know what people want or we have already served that group of the community you know for so long or we are the leaders in or we have adopted a best practice that's a really common one we're going to replicate a best practice from another community but you have to talk to your community first you have to understand what's top of mind and especially now it's never been more important because the needs and problems that you solved what, 10 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago are different. Mm -hmm. And what they were four weeks ago is different than they're going to be in the next four weeks. And so it's giving organizations those skills to be nimble and to be responsive and to move more quickly with confidence. It's not just like scatter and like gunshot approach of hoping we figure something out. It's knowing like this absolutely will work and let's go forward or let's ditch this early. Right. Else. Well, you bring up a couple of other points. It was like, so you, you devise a solution and then you try to break it. And is, is that the same thing as simply being devil's advocate for an idea? Well, it's, it's being, it's been very conscious and intensive about um, the assumptions we make, mm-hmm. right? When we design a program, we think, oh, well, they will come to this place or we will deliver it in this way and we will teach these things or offer these services and they will say yay and we will change their life and everything will be great but there are probably 50 assumptions of like do they want to come to that place do they want you to come to them how do they want you to come you know the service that you think they want and what languages might that need to be like what type of format how will you advertise like there's a lot of stuff that has to go into a solution and normally we try to in our own brilliance in our own little small room and organization try to figure all that stuff out ourselves and then we do kind of a grand reveal of like here's your program but all the while the community could be co-creating every single step of that and we've just seen so many organizations create a lot of waste with that ta-da approach when they should have said we're pretty smart but the community's smarter mm-hmm. like people know how to talk about their problems i mean you know how they're already trying to solve it and we need to figure out what will actually work it just it changes all of your potential outcomes mm-hmm. when you focus on co-creation oh goodness um to back up for a second to the a of pause you said assessing uncertainty i imagine that's I mean, forgive me for being flippant. If, if I don't mean that, I don't mean to be flippant about this. But, yeah. but in in times of non-pandemic, assessing certainty is probably a little easier than it is these days, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think absolutely. Assessing uncertainty pre-pandemic looked like, oh, you know, we might need to understand like how they how they do find information or how they do access resources or where they do go for other things. Now it's, now it's more of, um, you know, we've been talking about it like a fortune cookie, right? You read the fortune cookie and there's that joke you add in bed at the end of it. And it's like, ha, 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 you read the message. Now it's like everything we're doing in our lives, we can add in a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like you might be homeschooling, you're relaunching a business, you're guiding a team, you're designing programs and services all in a global pandemic. So it definitely adds a whole other layer of uncertainty of none of us really knowing what the future holds. We don't know what six months will look like or 12 months. Right. So it adds an element, but I think what it does is it gives the team back some power Mm. and it gives a shared process and communication platform to say, all right, knowing that the next six and 12 months is a little bit fuzzy what do we really need to understand most? So if our constituents' needs have changed, in what ways have they changed? Mm-hmm. Those are questions you can easily ask. 
you know, if we want to go back and talk to people in four weeks to meet their needs again, what are the best ways to do that? Could we set up a text message platform? You know, there's a lot of uncertainties of how you're going to keep evolving with your, your community that you could really start to understand to keep meeting them where they are. Right. And to change with the circumstances as they may improve or get worse. Um, one of the bit exactly. of guidance, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you could actually, we, can, we could call this a coaching moment. Uh, I was coaching another nonprofit to, you know, try to navigate their way out of the pandemic fog. And I said, look, here's, here's what you should do. You should come up with a set of activities and initiatives that, that exist as long as the current state is around and, and, and that has an open date on it because, because we know that we're going to be under as long as, as long as we don't have a vaccine or a treatment or, you know, something improves. Um, so that's the baseline, right? And then what you should build in are some indicators. And when your dashboard says this, then you start this action. And then when your dashboard says the other thing, then you, you know, revert to another plan. Is, is that an adequate way of doing it? Or do you think there's a better way of doing it? No, I think you do have to continually evolve and reassess because organizations need to, it's, it's like in sections, right? They need to take care of their people first, their internal folks, right? So it's like, what's the best way that I'm going to keep evolving with my internal folks? And what's the best way I keep evolving with my community of the people that I normally serve and that I'm sort of adding to it? And then I would also suggest organizations keep a really tight pulse on what's happening in their surrounding ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So if they do food insecurity or they do arts and culture or they do, you know, uh, transportation or whatever it is, the area that they serve in the sector, everything is shifting. A lot of folks, um, you know, there's organizations that are now merging. There's organizations closing. There's new opportunities that are emerging that existing organizations are adding as a whole new programs. There might be new sort of startup organizations that are trying to take advantage of the niche. We have to be mindful of how the players in the game have moved and what we need to do. And, and so I think it's, it's layers. And that's what I think organizations need to think about is, you know, my people my, my current community and my expansive community. And what does that look like? And then there's that higher level of like the sector. What's the role with, you know, a lot of organizations, what we're hearing is that, you know, if they partnered with local government, local government has just lost a ton of their budget and their revenue, right? So what right. does that mean? And then how do you partner with the community? And we haven't quite figured out how to work as a united ecosystem. Mm. And we have the honor of working with all of those groups, right, and what we call social impact. And so it's very interesting. We think there's going to be some cool opportunities that will emerge where, you know, cities have to say, we, don't, we can't do this right now. We're not just going to use you as a safety net. We're going to communicate a strategy, and then we're going to coordinate with philanthropy to figure out how we can really make sure that we have a cohesive response that also evolves. So I think that's something that's going to keep emerging. Interesting. And it always, like you're saying, it always helps to keep an eye out on the horizon. Yes, um, absolutely. And in my mind, the horizon is the community, right? The horizon is everything that the rest of the ecosystem is dealing with. So, mm -hmm, exactly. um, so you say a nonprofit can do all this virtually these days. You don't have to obviously be in person to do this. If, if a, uh, if an organization wanted to be in touch with you, how would they, how would they do that? Yeah, we used to do a majority of our work virtually before pre-pandemic, and now we're just doing more of it um, now that we're in this. And so they can um, go to the website, pauseforchange.com, and learn about the ways that we work and see some examples, um, see 
the ways that the, the process will benefit their organization and they can read our articles. We do a lot of writing about what we're seeing in the sector and what we recommend. So on our insights page, there's a lot of blog um, articles. We have an uncertainty resources page where we're doing regular webinars to talk about the key topics. Mm -hmm. um, and then the right now we're, we know that organizations are hurting. So all of our projects and programs, everything we're working on is half price. And it's all virtual and easily accessible for individuals that want to up-level their skills and have support and for teams that want up-level support and skills. Um, so it really just depends where they are. And then we're also offering free weekly office hours. So any organization that just wants to have a thought partner, an open ear, an open mind that might have seen something they haven't, we also they can reach out to us through the website to schedule an hour-long session. Um, that's totally for free. It's not a sales call in any way. It's just our way of trying to help people, like you said, kind of see through the murkiness. Right. That's brilliant. While we have a little bit of time left, is, uh, is, is it okay if we talk about um, the Possibility Project? Absolutely. Sure. And what is the Possibility Project? It's, it, it's, I'm, I'm keenly interested, but I don't want to steal your thunder. So please tell us about the, the Possibility Project. Yeah, yeah. So during the first four or five weeks of, you know, the forced pause that we all had to take with the pandemic, my business partner, Amelia Claywan, and a great colleague in front of ours, Devin Davey of Devin Davey Consulting, we started saying, you know, wow, this is awful. And we're seeing some really interesting movement in the sector. We're seeing philanthropy is shifting and how they're working with nonprofits. We're seeing forced collaboration now coming to light. We're seeing the ways that people are kind of open to some of these new opportunities. And so we wanted to understand how other people were thinking about this time and space and, you know, what, what needed to go away, what needed to really arise up and continue. Mm -hmm. And so we started interviewing people all across the country and we asked them three questions. We said, how are you? And what's happening with your work, right? Because mm -hmm. we wanted to get grounded and rooted in like their context which is fascinating to get such a different representation all across the country. Um, the second question was, what dysfunctions in the social impact sector do you want to disappear with the virus? And the third question was, what is bringing you hope? From what, what do you see emerge right now that's giving you hope about what could be possible for the future of the sector? And so we just asked all these people these three questions, and we wanted to see what themes would pop up what the distinct and individual perspectives were, which were so amazing and lovely, and what were the united ideas. And so we took these key themes and they kind of generated these big, bold questions that the sector needs to ask moving forward. And we turned it into this initiative where we are going to hold multiple conversations every month where we're having invited speakers to kind of do the thought provocation talk about the issue at hand and then invite a community of problem solvers and change makers together to talk about dysfunction and the possibility. And so our first is launching um, uh, a couple days on the 21st. Of wow. That'll be the very first. And that's focused on philanthropy and power. You know, what are the dynamics that created the power differential between foundations and nonprofits? Who are the power brokers that sustain it? Yeah. And what are the cracks in the foundation that we could perhaps explore and, um, and identify to see what could be possible with reframing the, that power relationship? So that'll be the first. And then we'll continue to diving into that topic and others mm -hmm. um, every month, every couple weeks as we keep moving forward through this. And the goal is that 
we're holding the sector accountable as we emerge into whatever what we're calling better than normal we in the normal we accepted a lot of stuff that it's kind of strange that we accepted in this sector, and I think it really limited our ability to actually so solve social problems. <laughs> so we're we're calling that out and saying like, really, why did why was that acceptable? Right, like that didn't work. And there's just really amazing stuff that people are talking about and doing. And how do we leverage that and grow that? So it's um it's added inspiration to us in this time of pandemic. It's given us kind of a guiding light to draw us forward through that fog, um, and we're just hoping we can unite this community of amazing people that we get to have in our personal networks to come together and really vibe off each other and see what, see what could be created. So you're talking about a, a live online session for these folks, right? I mean, is, yes. it, is it invitation only? Can a guy like me get in on that or, or am I, will I be a spectator? Absolutely. No, no, you can definitely, anyone can register on Zoom. It's open. Um, we have a LinkedIn group that people can ask to join. And that's a way that um, we, we want people to have a conversation after the session is over. We want to keep the conversation going within that group. And that way people can also connect with each other professionally and see you know, what part of the country they're in and what part of social impact they're really playing in and just keep enhancing that network and growing it. I can't wait to check it out. I am uh, actually greatly looking forward to that. And please let me know how I can help the effort. I think it sounds very exciting. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we will. Uh, Heather, thanks for taking the time to do this recording with me today. Absolutely. Thank you. This is awesome. And to our guests, our listeners, please, uh, you know, we, we love hearing from you. We'd love to get your suggestions on future episodes and other topics that we might cover on the Nonprofit Snapcast. And you can reach us at nonprofitsnapcast.org. Thanks for joining us. Hope you and yours are staying safe. We'll see you again with another episode in a few days. This has been the Snapcast. Thank you for joining us.